Welcome to Spiritual and Empowerment Living with international speaker, spiritual mentor, and best-selling author, Tia Johnson, as she discusses spiritual and women's empowerment topics to assist you in igniting your spirituality and empowering your quality of life. Let's welcome your host, Tia Johnson. Hello, spiritual trailblazers, and welcome back to another fabulous episode. This guest is amazing all the way around. I cannot wait for you to meet her because she has lots of nuggets for us. I mean, just like, I, I you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> I'm going to read her bio and, and let her speak. <laughs> so Annette Ponick is a researcher, writer, educator, speaker, and coach. Her work centers around supporting people in living fully integrated lives through her research, writing, teaching, speaking, and coaching. Annette is a co-founder of Living Your Vision, a one-day women's retreat that helps women step into the fullest version of themselves. She is also a postdoctoral researcher at the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, where her research focuses on motivation and emotions. She's also a mom, a wife a lifelong mediator, and an avid tennis player. Annette, welcome. Oh, thank you. And actually, I got so excited to have her on. I'm going to tell you why I was so excited that I almost forgot to mention oh. the, 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 uh, the title. <laughs> I'm gonna, so I'm going to first tell the title to listeners, and then I'm going to explain why I'm so excited to have her on, why I want to jump to this so fast. So this episode, <laughs> we are going to be diving to living in your vision and there's a reason special reason why it's called that so quickly before i introduce annette so she can give you all her great knowledge i met annette at a at at an event that she'll also tell you a little bit about because something very special happened there with her i first discovered her on social media and we also have a mutual friend so i was following along with her or follow along with her mission, we go to the same event, didn't know it. She gets up and asks a question about her event. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been following her on social media. So that's why I'm so excited and almost forgot the title. So Annette, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, you're so welcome. It's such a pleasure. So we met at Marie Forleo's event. <laughs> well, kind of, sort of. Yes. <laughs> We energetically connected. Energetically connected. You were about, I don't know, maybe two feet away from me when you asked the question. Yeah, that was crazy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So uh, Annette has, uh, she, or actually, how about you explain the the recent event that you had and tell the listeners the question you asked and and that like revelation that Marie hit you with. Sure, sure. yeah, so myself and my two co-founders, Ilya Stronko and Susan Pedrone, who are also amazing, um, founded this event called Living Your Vision. And it's a one-day women's retreat that helps women step into fuller versions of themselves. It uh, took place October 5th um, in Maniunk. It was so amazing. It was really a vision for all of us to be able to connect with more women in the area in this kind of deeper way and take our work to a bigger audience. Um, So it was a huge undertaking for all three of us. We had never done anything like this before. And there were so many learning curves, like, oh my God, I feel like we could talk for hours just about that. But we all are huge fans of Marie Forleo and she was doing her book tour 
and we all went to her 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 stop in in Philly that you were at too. Um, so we actually didn't know that we had all gotten tickets separately. We ended up there. I got there late. I, I work uh, in New Haven half the week. So I came back just to go to this. I was exhausted. I got a seat way in the back of the room. I'm like trying to peek around to see things. And then when they were setting up, I saw that they put a microphone kind of near the center of the aisle. And I said to my friend, I was like, oh my God, they're going to take questions. I was like, oh my God, I have to ask a question. <laughs> And I was terrified. I was literally shaking. So as soon as they said, it's time for questions, like, I don't know if you saw how far I ran, but I was the second row from the back. I like made a beeline. I was like, I'm asking Marie a question. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I like elbowed some other woman to get her out of the way. I felt a little bad, but, um, yeah, so still shaking. I got up there and I asked her because she's, if anyone doesn't know Marie Forleo, is a genius with online marketing and business building and she's just an all-around awesome person. But my question was that she doesn't really talk very much about marketing live events. So my question was about marketing a live event. So she asked me to explain a little bit about the event and I told her about it. We had three um, workshops from experts in various areas of self-care and yoga and a keynote and lunch and all of this stuff. And then she asked how much it costs. And I told her it was $77 and she was like, that's way too low. <laughs> Loved it. And yeah. I remember looking at you because when you said it, I was like, that's the-. so for, for those who don't know, there was um, my, my stepdad's mom had passed away and the funeral was the day of her event so I couldn't go but I remember looking at you thinking that's her so our mutual friend is Ilya she actually spoke at my goddess retreat in uh, July and so when I saw that she was a part of it, I was like oh my god I really want to be there now to support my friend and you know to get to know the other ladies so I was so happy that you asked that question because that also applied to me and that's the beauty of it when someone has the courage I, I didn't wasn't even thinking about it but when someone has the courage to ask the question, like you said, you were all the way in the back and you bogarted your way to the front. <laughs> That's beautiful because you never know who else that may help, even uh, if you think about it. Yeah, thank you. I hope so, because I was freaking terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but that that that's so wonderful. It's it, it really was. I'm so glad that it happened that way because I know and, and I know even for the listeners, they may be planning something yeah. as well. It doesn't have to be a big event. It could be planning on asking for a promotion. It could be planning on setting up a, a birthday party for an elderly parent. And you're just really concerned because you want it to be right. You know, it's, it's just that we want things to work well the first time. <laughs> it never really does. Yep. So when, when we're in that space, it's a beautiful thing to see that all the things I, w- I was worried about, I didn't really have to be concerned with that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much learning in something like that. And we get, especially I think for women, we get so caught up in perfectionism um, that it's sometimes a disservice to us and the people that we're trying to serve, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know that was a really big, um, it has been consistently through my life, a pretty big obstacle for me that <laughs> that I try to work with myself on. Me too. I can relate on so many levels. So you talked about living in your vision a little bit and 
the, the ladies who were involved. So what was the, the turning point that you, you women were just like, you know what, we got to make this happen? Was it like something big, something small, something you noticed? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, so we started planning it in about January was when we first connected through a mutual friend um, who was originally involved with the event. And then her life circumstances changed and she um, wasn't able to continue with us. And the three of us, me, Susan and Ilya, we really just clicked so seamlessly that everything just seemed to flow. Our decision making was really easy. Any types of, of conflicts or disagreements, we just resolved so easily. It was amazing to work so so easily with people that we didn't know each other before January. And now I feel like we're best friends. Um <laughs> And we were chugging along with this. And, and, and like I said, we all are, um, are very advanced in our own careers, but had never done something like this before, something with other people and something so uh, big that was really our own. So there was so much we had to learn about securing vendors and speakers and um, getting a venue and providing food for people and all of those things that go into a, an event that you don't ever even think about until you're actually putting on your own event, which mm-hmm. not everybody has ever done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually don't know if Susan and Ilya felt this, but uh, there was a certain point for me when I think, so our, our website was live. I think we had, we were maybe just about to open the cart to start ticket sales Um, we, you know, we had a a growing following on our Instagram, uh, account. It was all over my own Instagram account. And I had this moment where I was, um, talking to a friend who's a very gifted coach and amazing, amazing person in general. Um, very, very wise. And, and she, she was like, and I was, I was freaking out because it was like, there was, it was so much exposure for me that I just wasn't used to. And I was like, what if it's a total disaster? I was really, really terrified. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, just don't do it. You know, she was kind of toying with me. She was like, just back out. I'm like, I can't, I can't back out now. It's too late. And then she said to me, she said, then your only choice is to go all in. Mm. And that was it for me. I was just like, oh, you're right. Because I could do this kicking and screaming and fighting myself and letting myself listen to that fear of like, oh my God, what if this is a total disaster? Or I could just commit totally, fully and completely to show up 150% every day for this event as authentically as I could and just trust that all of the hard work and that we had done to prepare the event, but also all of the hard work that we had each done throughout our entire lives to get us to the point where we were ready to do this was enough to make the event wonderful. And it was. You said something that I think people need on index cards, postcards. (laughs) And you said the word enough. Yeah. That everything you worked up until that point dot 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 enough yeah that is such a powerful word and I feel like it doesn't get as much credit as it should (laughs) I totally agree with you totally agree with you yeah it's um it's funny because I throughout my personal growth and spiritual journey and now in my professional work and the work that I do with women we use affirmations a lot And it's funny, I always try to tell people, like, don't think too much when you're trying to come up with affirmations, let whatever words come, just come and don't judge them or overthink them. And for me, when I'm doing that with myself, the one that comes up most consistently is I am enough. 
Mm. And it, it has nothing to do with how much I do, how much I've achieved, how good of a mom I was that day, how patient I was with my husband that day. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's just that I am enough because I am a being, because I exist, that I, I am enough. I deserve to be here. Right. Oh, my gosh. Love it. And it's not a sense of entitlement. You you deserve to be here. We all do. We all do. Exactly. And I loved how you talked about when, when your friend played the devil's advocate. Just don't yeah. do it. I wish more people would look at it in that way because, like, just don't do it. And if it's truly meant for you, if it's your vision, something that you are really, truly passionate about, and you're really just worried that it's not going to work out because you want it to work out so well. And when someone tells you, okay, just don't do it. You're like, I can't. Yeah. It's, it's for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so true. I've had it with a couple things in my life. I don't know if you've ever experienced this where it, it it's not like you are pushing to make something happen. It's like that thing already exists somewhere in the future and it is pulling you towards it, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's kind of what this was. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I really think I live in the future a lot. I know it's bad. I know they say to live in the present. And for the most part, I, I live so I live in the present when I'm eating food because I'm just like, oh, this is so great. This is so <laughs> But when it's something like that, when I'm putting it on an event or when I had this great idea to do something, I can't help but to to envision it like oh it's gonna be so great and you know the people are gonna be transformed and I'm gonna learn something from someone there because whenever I heal or teach or even talk to someone I'm always learning too yeah so I look so forward to that so I do live in the future <laughs> but I had to say um sometimes I check myself when I do realize it my best friend the so when we were talking earlier uh before the recording and you said the episode you listened to was when my, my best friend asked me those questions. She's the one who checked me and said, Tia, I really care about you, but you need to worry about your physical self too, because I was so into spirituality and thinking all the great things I'm going to do that I ignore my physical self mm. when I was gaining weight. So yeah, I could definitely relate. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> what did you talk about in Living Your Vision? Oh, um, so I'm an educational psychologist by training. My master's is in spiritual psychology and my PhD is in educational psychology. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about and committed to doing is incorporating more research-based practices into this type of, we'll call it self-help type of work. Um, I love that world. I've been completely immersed in that world most of my life. And what I started to realize was that there's a lot of great practices, but there's not a lot of great uh, research to back them up. So I, in my talk, I wanted to give people really tangible, powerful tools to help them identify where they are in their life, where they want to be, so what their vision is. And then we really focused on what are the blocks to your vision. That was kind of the main part of it. So um, 
as you mentioned in my introduction, a good portion of my research focuses on emotions. So emotions can be really powerful tools in helping us live our vision. And they can also be really powerful impediments to keeping us from living our vision. So we worked through various strategies um, to work with our emotions and kind of get in touch with them and communicate with them and see how we can use them to help us rather than hurt us. Mm. So do you find when it comes to helping people with their their blocks and looking at the emotions, is it like um, when, when the elephant is tied to the, the plastic chair and the elephant thinks that this chair is like this one ton boulder, but really the elephant gets to swing the chair around and just leave the circus? Yeah, that can, <laughs> that's so funny. I love that analogy. I have such a good mental image of that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that can definitely be part of it. That that can definitely be a big part of it. Um, emotions can pop up in all sorts of ways. One of the things I talked about at Living Your Vision was how uh, we get these beliefs that get really deeply embedded in us. And a lot of times they form in childhood before mm-hmm. we really have the cognitive capability to understand the situation fully. And our brains that are still developing move to these snap judgments and these beliefs get reinforced over time and they build a stronger and stronger neural network that by the time we're adults, we're making decisions based on these neural patterns when we don't even know where these original beliefs or misunderstandings came from. So a big part of unwinding that process is paying attention to the emotional triggers that happen and then using them to kind of trace the steps backwards Um, And that was another thing we did in living your vision was working with our inner child and, and talk, it was all women at the retreat. So talking to her to, to our inner little girl, talking to her about any misunderstandings that she may have had. And um, it it was in a guided meditation. So um, it was really lovely and tender and really beautiful to, to do that kind of work with people. I loved it. Yes. I can just imagine how many people are, living a new life now from that event because just as you said we don't know sometimes because something happened to us when we're kids it's like when you put your hand in a fire and and, ouch it hurts don't do that again but it's just you gotta be careful not to put your hand in a fire the fire's not bad so i can't even imagine going through life i mean i I probably could i'm sure there's something that i didn't even think about just like when you asked a question to marie forleo now i'm pretty sure there's something uh you know from uh, let me see if I can think of something real quick. Um, well, f- I, I use food as an example. And mm-hmm. food is near and dear to my heart. My mom, one of her first jobs, uh, well, not job, but one of the first trainings she got because she loved food, she went to cooking school. And so I had like amazing meals every night. And my grandmother, she would bake bread and make all this great stuff. So food is really near and dear to my heart. And one day I was at a, a, a relative's house and she had hired people to cook for her. The food was terrible. It, it was awful. It looked good. It looked really good, but it was so terrible. It scarred me. And I made a vow never to eat anyone else's food, but my mother's food and my grandmother's food. And I was a kid. I'm going to say maybe eight or nine. And I kid you not, it wasn't until after college when I ate another person's food and the person's food I ate ended up being my best friend. Wow. <laughs> it was, it was that serious for me. I mean, I can't remember eating 
maybe I ate someone else's food, but it was like a little bit because I didn't want to offend them. But mm-hmm. it was it was something like now for someone else it could be I, I don't know, it could be anything, but for me, because it was associated with my mom and my grandmother, it had a deeper meaning than just, oh, it's you know, steak and mashed potatoes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a that's a great example. Um there can also be I'll I'll share the example that I shared at, at Living Your Vision, um, where I um so my parents divorced when I was four. So I always, I felt loved by them, but it always kind of felt like a little bit of a tentative relationship. I had a lot of sadness associated with my relationship with my dad, especially, and always felt like, you know, I, I had to be on my best behavior or, 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 you know, he wouldn't love me or he'd be mad at me or, you know, some, something like that, you know, how, um, things like that can get kind of Mm -hmm. caught someone's psyche. And I had this very specific memory of being young, like maybe my parents were still together at the time and they divorced when I was four. So I was four or younger. And I remember walking into the TV room at night and my parents were in there watching TV. And I remember they turned around and looked at me and they were so mad at me. And I don't remember what they said or what I said or why I was there, but I just remember the way they looked at me. And I remember feeling so hurt as a little girl, you know, and I'd carried this around with me for so long and it really influenced the way I felt around them and about them. And, you know, I have a great relationship with both of them now, so it's not like I was harboring anything. But when I became a mom, I had this this realization when my daughter was about that age, three or four, and my husband and I had put her to bed and she got out of bed as toddlers often do when she wasn't supposed to. And she came downstairs where my, where my husband and I were watching TV and we both glared at her and were really angry that she was out of bed. And I had this awareness of, Oh my God, my parents were only upset at me because I was supposed to be asleep. I hadn't done anything wrong. It was just nighttime and I wasn't sleeping. And I didn't realize this until literally a couple years ago. And I'd been carrying that around with me for so long. Yeah, it's it's really amazing how that happens because it's like, you know, getting stung. You don't want it yeah. to happen again. It doesn't, why you got stung doesn't even matter at the time. All you know is you got stung and it can never, ever, ever happen again. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, these things can be you know, they can be really obvious or sometimes they can be not so obvious. And um, I found that as, as people on a spiritual path, as I know a lot of your listeners are, that they, these types of things become more and more subtle. So you have to be more and more tuned in and aware to them, aware of them to, to notice them. Cause you know, obviously as you do the spiritual work on yourself, you uncover the bigger, you know, boulders, so to speak. But then there can be these icebergs where there's still a whole lot under there. It's just, it's harder, maybe not harder, but it, it takes different forms as you progress, um, you know, in your, in your self-awareness, I found. So are, are those blocks, um, or I guess, what are some, some common things? And I, I give you an example that popped up in my head, because I think it, it runs deeper than that. For example, I was in the office and this one lady got so mad that someone left a sheet of paper in the printer. I mean, she was just like, this makes no sense. And it could have been, she had a bad morning, but I feel like it shows up in a lot of ways that, but like you were saying, we don't necessarily realize it. And I don't know. Is it, is it like people get irritated over the littlest thing? What are some, some yeah. things? 
That, that's, yeah, great question and great example. So obviously I don't know specifically what was happening for this woman with the paper getting stuck, but um, I'll just guess of what the first thing that came to my mind when you mentioned that example was that maybe this is a woman that feels like she feels very victimized in life and feels like these things are always happening to her and nothing ever goes her way. She feels like the universe is out to get her. She feels like no one supports her. And that's something that probably was a belief that probably started forming when she was much younger, where maybe there was a time when she really needed something. A lot of this stuff stems back to our parents, fortunately or unfortunately, where she really needed something and whoever she thought was going to help her with it didn't. And she felt really left down, left um, let down. And that, that, that can trickle through. Um, I'll give another example from my own life. This was something that uh, I won't judge it as silly, although it felt so silly. I was driving to my husband's family's house uh, very early in our dating experience and they were having a family dinner party and I, you know, I was a little nervous to meet his whole family um, or, yeah. Uh, so I got there and the driveway was all full. There was nowhere for me to park. And I started getting just unreasonably upset about it, just irritated, crying that I couldn't find a parking spot. I'm like, it's fine. I can just park on the street. It really wasn't that big a deal. But what I was able to figure out was that, you know, by uh, I can talk more about how I do this and how I walk people through this. But what I was able to uncover was that I uncovered this belief that, that there's not a place for me, that I don't belong here. Mm. And I, I don't, I didn't, you don't always need to figure out where these beliefs come from. Sometimes, oftentimes just uncovering them is enough to, to think about them and say, well, gosh, of course I belong here. And, and just taking a moment with that younger part of myself and, and feeling compassion for her. Of, I'm so sorry that you ever felt like you didn't belong, you know, and really saying that to myself, sometimes even out loud, if I'm in a private place, mm-hmm. you know, cause there's, there's part of us, there's part of us that still believes these things. That's why they get triggered. You know, that was so powerful. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like, there's no parking space for you. You go park on the street. Yes. Wow. It really triggers yeah. deep for me. Cause you want to make a good impression. It's like, mm-hmm. everyone's already here. I'm going to be walking in all exactly. eyes on me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's such a great example. So, you know, listeners out there think about that, you know, I mean, for the lady with the printer it could be here I go again, delivering something to someone because the lady name was on, on the sheet of paper. No one gives me my papers. I'm like this, you know, assistant, right? I'm everyone's yeah. assistant. Yeah. So th- think about that. You know, e- even if you can write it down in a note section on your phone, or if you like me, you have like notepads too, because you always got these crazy ideas you need to write down, you know, write, write down when you feel uh, like, like Annette was saying, you know, crying and frustrated and you're looking around, write that down and think about, why it it could be that you feel like there's no place for me but there actually is that's such a great example yeah sometimes when we're able to really articulate what the belief is when we get it out in the open we can really see that a lot of times they're they're very obviously untrue you know mm-hmm. you know so um that process can be really helpful and one of the things that i recommend to get to that place Um, I'm a huge fan of bathroom stalls because a lot of these times when uh, 
it's like it's easiest to get to that underlying belief when the emotions are really hot. So like when you're really triggered. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm a big fan of these of bathroom stalls because you can just go and have instant privacy for a few minutes. Yeah. And provided you're not having like a rageful fit, which can be very healthy in a controlled environment, but you probably don't want to do that in your office bathroom. Um, my recommendation is to really let yourself feel the emotion as fully and completely as you can. Don't try to stifle it. Don't judge it. Don't hold it back. Just let it completely go because then not only do you get it up and out of your system, but then whatever words start coming to you, that's when you can kind of find out what that emotion is trying to tell you, what the underlying belief is that, that it can help you uncover. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a very good tip. Yeah, because sometimes it's someone at work, you know, and, and they can't go outside real quick for, for a, a, um, a breath of fresh air. So yeah, maybe yeah. They can go to the third floor of their building, you know, right. not their floor, right. <laughs> but <Yeah>. the floor. <laughs> above them and had their moment yeah yeah so when when people do things like uh take boxing classes or you know something that's active to to get that whatever out their system do you think just alone that's good for them and and they're getting in touch with their emotional intelligence or should it be like a combination of things Yeah, um, it can be really wonderful. It really depends on the person's background and history. Mm. Uh, Something specifically like boxing is obviously great for getting out anger and rage, which is can be an emotion that's difficult, uh, especially for women to access because it's generally so socially unacceptable for us to be angry. Mm-hmm. Um, so having an outlet like that where it's totally accepted and celebrated to be as angry and rageful as you can and want to is awesome. The tricky thing about anger is that it's it not always, but it, it can very often be covering up for more tender emotions mm-hmm. that you wouldn't be able to access in an environment like that. So I definitely encourage a combination. The physical components is so huge, so huge. Or one of my favorite things to do is um, just take take pillows and put on really angry music. I love Metallica. Just like blast it and then beat the shit out of my pillows, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. But what a lot of times, um, if this is done in a guided environment, I'll, sadness can also come up because very often anger is used to cover up our sadness. Mm-hmm. So once you get that anger up and out of your system, deeper emotions can really start to surface as well. Yeah, I read an article um, that went something like, and I'm trying to remember as best as possible, something like, uh, I'm, I'm protecting the, the inner child. You know, mm. this person is is this way because they're protecting that that innocence that whatever it is so I, yeah i i can see how like you said that anger is all well and good in that environment but it's it, keep in mind that it's protecting something underneath exactly there's a more tender part that's probably in there too so if someone is dealing with that i definitely would encourage addressing it from from multiple angles so what are some things that you're constantly debunking while you're helping people with this? Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, debunking. Okay. Well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is 
<laughs> well, it's funny because I did mention affirmations, but I feel like as self-help and self-care and personal growth have become more mainstream that I've heard you, you talked about, you've talked about this in some of your other podcasts too, I know. Um, but there's been this, this, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's almost like it's become commoditized so that it's like all of these inspiring quote cards on Instagram and, um, you know, I read the goop newsletter, so I'm spiritual. And it just, it's given people a very superficial level of what spirituality and personal growth really is. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I always tell people in terms of the debunking is affirmations are great. I love affirmations, but they aren't worth anything. If you're not doing the work to address the misunderstandings that necessitate the affirmations in the first place. Mm, Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Yeah. Like if I have a belief that I'm unlovable or I'm unworthy or I'm ugly or something like that, just telling myself that I'm lovable, I'm worthy, I'm beautiful. Isn't enough. If I can't, if I can't, if I can't even identify that I have a belief that's contrary to that in the first place. Mm -hmm. So you've got to dig a little deeper. Um, the other thing that I would say in, in, along the same vein is um, about self-care, which is incredibly important, especially in a world where people are increasingly more stressed and anxious and worried. Um, but I've seen the way I see self-care talked about in a lot of settings and blogs and podcasts, not yours, because you talk about it. I've heard you talk about this before, but... Um, is, you know, self-care is all scented candles and bubble baths and things like that. And sometimes self-care is just getting your shit done. Sometimes self-care is paying your bills or it's not buying that dress because you need to pay back a friend who you owe money to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes self-care is doing the things that you don't want to do, but it's keeping you in integrity with yourself. Mm -hmm. And I I think it self-care has has been... um, misappropriated a little bit and not, not really. Um, I think it's doing a disservice to people, to be honest, the way we, we talk about self-care most of the time. Yeah. And I, I had to learn that too, because when I began my spiritual journey, it, it really was because of the deaths of my grandparents. Mm. Now I'm trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Yeah. So it was a really dark time. I mean, I had visions when I was a kid, I had premonition dreams, I had all that, but I didn't call it vision or premonition dreams. I thought it was just something that everyone had. And I would talk about that with my grandmother. And it was super normal to her because she was having the same things. <laughs> so we, it would be me and her talking about this all the time. And so it wasn't until they passed that I really started looking at myself. And what I learned was that I was living for approval, you know, mm-hmm. certificates. And when, when my bachelor's, bachelor's degree was written in Latin, oh, gosh. You can tell me anything, okay? It's in Latin, all right? <laughs> That's awesome. So I really had to look at myself. And what I learned is that spirituality is deep. Well, it, it, so yeah, spirituality, yes. But learning about yourself is deep. You know, mm-hmm. everyone has a good side. Everyone has a bad side. You know, and when I really started to dive into spirituality, there was some aspects that made it look like spirituality is, is drinking, you know, green drinks, yep. super cute yoga pants and, you know, 
you have your little mocha latte and that's your cheat meal, you know, or whatever. <laughs> that's not it. You know, that's why um, I, I wrote a, a post or I think I did like a, no, it was a blog. It was a, a podcast episode where I just, I just talked about, yeah, I, I drink, you know, I, I, I cuss, I drank, I have tattoos. I'm still spiritual mm-hmm. you know, because spirituality again, is not doing wine and yoga. Like you do not combine wine and yoga. Right. <laughs> Sorry, that's not it. <laughs> right, that's funny. Oh man, no, that yeah. that's really great because there are a lot of people who are just learning about spirituality or starting to learn more about who they are, and it's so easy to find that cookie cutter spirituality that doesn't run deep. So when something bad does happen, because it's it's life, you know, we're going to deal with something that we don't want to deal with then people don't know how to deal with it because they were told that spirituality is rainbows and unicorns and, you know, angel numbers. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, so I think there's a place for it because most people who are, 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 are open to a spiritual path, they, they need something that's going to hook them, you know, like something that's, that's entry level, so to speak. I'm doing air right. quotes. You can't see that. So, um, <laughs> A lot of times these stuff, this stuff can be that if it leads to deeper work, but if it just stays on the surface, then I, I think it's mostly not in service to the people that it's, it's trying to and intended to help. Mm-hmm. So final question I have for you, <laughs> your brain like crazy. What is a, a question or maybe a couple of questions that you wish more people would ask you? Whoa, gosh, I love that. I wish more people would ask me that. (laughs) Um, What do I wish more people would ask me? I wish more people would ask me. Hmm, God, you've kind of stumped me. I wish more people would ask me, um, how to get out of their own way is, 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 I mean, that, that can look like a lot of different things, but I wish more people would ask me how to, how to stand more fully in themselves, Mm -hmm. how to support themselves more and how to believe in themselves more. Because wow. I think I think part of the epidemic that I was talking about of all of these, you know, everyone having affirmations and inspiring quote cards everywhere is that there's this superficial um, self-love without a really, truly deep, deep self-love mm-hmm. that people feel. And I and everyone in their journey with that goes through ebbs and flows, just like any relationship, you know, including our relationships with ourselves. Um I just, you know, a lot of my work focuses on, on women and I see so many women, whether they're married or not married and want to be married, who, who tie so much of their worth and their happiness and their identity into partnership or romantic love with someone else. When I believe so firmly and deeply that our self-love and our, our love and connection with spirit and the universe is all that there is and romantic love with another person is just a different form of that. And then if we can redirect that desire into a deeper love for ourselves, that that is the ultimate 
fulfillment and the ultimate tool to really rise up and, and be our best, happiest, most fulfilled selves. I am so grateful and happy that you said that. <laughs> Believe in yourself. Yes, that. Yeah, that's that that like, who I can't even talk. Yes, believe in yourself. That is really something that more people need to hear. They really yeah. do. And also- I mean, I'm, I'm taking my own advice. I mean, I need to hear that from myself sometimes too. There are days when I wake up and I do not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Myself, you know? Absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, don't let it be a full moon. Everyone's emotions are out of whack and they're thinking <laughs> all this craziness, crazy thoughts. Yeah. But I also like when you talked about having a relationship with yourself and basically to be careful where you put your identity. Mm -hmm. And I say that because uh, some of the Facebook groups that I'm in, I see a lot of younger women. I mean, like 23 years old and they literally write, I'm 23 years old and I feel like I'm doomed because they don't have a boyfriend. Oh God, no. I just want to hug those girls. I know, right? I want to be like, honey, travel, you know, to try different disciplines in school, you know, oh my God. Because the thing is like, like what my pop pop used to say, and basically like every, every one of my family, they can't take your education away from you, right? Mm. Get, get an education, learn more about yourself, travel, yeah. explore the world, learn what you like, what you don't like. Cause I, I tell you something, mm-hmm. there's one person, she's my best friend who I hang out with from my early twenties. Everyone else who I hung out with in my early twenties, I don't see them. Oh my gosh. Same. same. <laughs> so it's just like, you can, and, but there are some stories. Like I know some people who married their high school sweetheart and they are happy. So yeah, there are some people who are like that granted. Okay. But to think that you're doomed. And, and, and sometimes I see this with older women too, but they're starting to be, um, uh, maybe like, I don't want to say a trend, but almost like a, a movement coming or an uprising coming up where more women are saying, hey, <laughs> all right, I'm happy with filling in a blank, being single or like not choosing to have or choosing not to have children. Mm-hmm. It's really a choice until you want to change your mind. And I use myself as an example many times. I enjoy being single for many years. And about, a, I would say, maybe like two, three years ago, I, I remember I, I remember this vividly. I messaged my best friend. I said, hey, you know what? I'm ready for a relationship. And I'm glad that it happened in that natural way as opposed to me thinking, oh gosh, I'm doomed. You know, no, if you focus on believing in yourself and remember what Annette said earlier, enough, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, use that, really focus on, or just find out what you like, what you don't like. Take a dancing class, take a cooking class, you know, because then you will have, I guess, enough emotional intelligence, I guess, to know yourself so well that when you do meet that person, oh my gosh, they're like matching your 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 vibration. Yeah, totally. I love everything that you just said. It um it, it reminds me of the movie. I'm blanking on the title, but it had Dakota Johnson and Rebel Wilson. Did you see that movie? Hmm. I'm going to look it up real quick. I'm oh going to use gosh. my mic so you won't hear the typing. I'm going to look it So what were the, the characters' names again? Oh, the actresses were Dakota Johnson and Rebel Wilson. And it is a great movie because it's about dating. It's about women in their early 20s. 
And the thing that I loved about that movie is that it was, it was women who really went through trials and tribulations with men that they were dating seriously and less seriously. But it also showed women really enjoying being single and doing things with their friends and getting to know themselves better and traveling on their own. Like that's such a great way to get to know yourself is to travel alone. I tell everybody who will listen that every woman should travel alone. I did that twice. It was pretty nice. So uh, how to be single. Is that it? Oh yeah. That might be it. Yes. That's it. Cool. (laughs) So everyone go watch that movie. Go watch it. It's really good. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's really important because some of the women who I worked with, they, uh, they're empty nesters now, or the children aren't old enough where they are a little bit more Mm self-reliant. And the thing is their identity was with their children for so long, you know, and, or they, their identity, identity was to be the best wife. But when it came to them, it was whatever energy was left over or a little piece of their identity. So now they had a stage where, okay, what's my truth? Who am I really? So yeah, this is about, you being you first and foremost because if if you're not yourself as that enough version then what's going to happen is you're going to be divided in 50,000 ways and and really lost lost in the sauce (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's so true it's so true and I think a lot of women um I mean I was definitely example an example of this too in my early 20s but I think it happens with women at many ages is it can be scary to to explore your identity there's um a psychologist Marcia who studies identity and they talk about different phases and identity exploration is one of the phases which can be kind of scary, especially if you're older and you feel like, oh, your identity should be more solidly formed. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of courage and bravery to do that. And I think a lot of women kind of unconsciously direct their efforts into their partner or their children or sometimes even their career to avoid the scariness of that identity exploration. Yeah, no, it it, it can be scary because what if they live their their hundred percent life like like what if they were just unapologetically themselves you know just really showed up like that that's very powerful but also very scary because sometimes they risk losing friends and things like that that's scary for some people. yep totally it can be really scary it, this this path is not for the faint of heart <laughs> <laughs> no i tell people and this sounds so bad but i noticed this pattern about every four years about two to three people rotate out of my outer friend circle. So I have like Mm -hmm. my close knit friends and we've been friends about 10 years minimum. Then I had, you know, like outer friends that I met later on and we hang out, but there's always about two to three people that stay for about a good four years. And then they just rotate out and new people come in. And as like crazy as that sound is true, but also there's just that growth or whatever that happens, or maybe I was supposed to show up in that person's life yeah. for those amount of years. And then it's just like, okay, you know, friendship's over. It's a little sad sometimes, but that's the truth. So I think also we need to look at it as not this bad thing when you are peeling back the layers of yourself, but look at it as that, that saying goes, some people are here for a season, for a reason and stuff like that. Yes. It's okay if you outgrow people. It's not okay if you don't allow yourself to grow. Oh, that's yeah. like a Twitter quote. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's good. You should write that down. <laughs> I should write that down. Yeah. Mind. <laughs> Put that on an Instagram quote card. Right? 
viral, please. That's a good one. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Any final thoughts? Um, gosh, I just, I, I have so much respect and love for the people who listen to this podcast because I know that they are seekers who are looking for a deeper and more full experience of their life. So I'm really honored to be on it and to get to speak to them. So such a blessing. Do you have any uh, events coming up? Anything you want to tell the people? I do. Yeah. So I have a women's coaching group coming up, which is um, starting on the winter solstice, December 21st. It's the winter goddess women's coaching circle. Um, And we will meet throughout the winter to cultivate our inner awareness and inner reflection in preparation for spring. And I also do writing coaching. And so I'll be hosting an online writing group open to men and women that is going to start next month in November. Awesome. And we'll, we'll get the links that we can put it in the description for this episode. Awesome. So thank you again so much for tuning in spiritual trailblazers. I am sending you so many blessings. Be kind to yourself and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining spiritual living and empowerment with Tia Johnson. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in to the next show. Want to continue the conversation with Tia? Follow her on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at Tia underscore Johnson underscore. Have a wonderful day filled with many blessings.